If you have your Bibles, if you're already there, turn to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 4. Hebrews 4. And we're going to uh, be in verse 12. Starting verse 12. Let's pray together. Father, thank you once again for our time together so far this morning. And once again, as we turn our attention fully to your word, we are reminded that it is the spirit of truth that is the ultimate teacher, counselor. And so we ask you now to open our understanding, our minds, and and Lord, our hearts to your word. You say we're to be doers of your word, not just hearers. Our lives are to speak truth and we're to walk in truth. And so, Father, now we are uh, acknowledging our absolute dependence upon you to teach us your truth. And uh, we're so thankful you say that uh, we are sanctified, we are set apart by it. And that is our desire. So uh, we yield, we submit. ask that your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. I was thinking of this verse... Just kind of as an intro, as I've been reflecting on, on what God has been doing in my life and, and what I've heard from many of you uh, in the last two weeks, as you have responded very tangibly, very practically to God's Word. Verse 12 says, For the Word of God is living and active. Very powerful. Through the Holy Spirit teaching us, through us receiving it, through us desiring to then not just hear it, but do it. It's alive. It's transformative, right? And it says, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the what? The heart. The very core of our being. That's what the heart is, right? And in the last couple of, of Sundays, as we, we, were, we were in First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Remember that word, in Right? We're used to giving four, but we, we, we never really camped on, and many of you have shared with you, you never really resonated with in. And we talked about that, and we looked about that. And, and as if you shared, you know, Robert last Sunday, like, like Tyler mentioned, your laundry story, giving thanks in the laundry, and, and Betty giving thanks, you know, in spilled ice cream, and, you know, other stories that I've heard from many of you. God is transforming you. And if you've ever wondered, is is this Bible really God's Word? Is this Bible really living and active? Just got to look at changed lives. Just have to look at God continuing to transform people. Literally transform. And I know many of you, you shared with me, man, you know, some things happened this week, and and this is how I used to react, and I would have reacted but now I'm stopping and I'm giving thanks in it. And then as I stop and do that, God, God is now showing me, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have to, I'm not giving thanks for Daryl. 
and his episode, but God, as I stop to give thanks in it, you're showing me, oh, wait, he's having more tests run. And, and we're seeing through this, and we're learning what we talked about last Sunday, God's imminence, right? His imminence, his nearness to us. If, if you weren't here last, last Sunday, we, we talked about two aspects of God's, God's character that, that enables us to give thanks in all circumstances, Okay? One is his transcendence, right? His transcendence, meaning, meaning God is so distinct, so separate from us. He's holy, 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 right? All-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, right? And, and, and that helps us to guard against becoming overly what? Buddy-buddy with him, right? God, we have an intimate covenant relationship with him. We can call him Abba Father, we're his children, and yet we can never lose sight of his transcendence. His transcendence, His holiness. Right? In fact, Jesus says, hey, you're of this world. I'm not of this world. He was in interacting with us, but Jesus made it clear, I'm still God. I'm still not of this world. Right? So we talked about His transcendence, and then we talked about His imminence, which was His nearness. His nearness. Right? And, and so we, we see that, okay, Lord, in all circumstances, I know that your transcendence tells me you're in control. You're all-powerful. You're sovereign. You're transcendent. Nothing in my life, you know, there's nothing in your life that happens and God goes, Oh! Didn't see that coming. That doesn't happen. He's so transcendent, and we're going to look at that come the new year, some of the names of God. El Elyon, He's most high. He's sovereign. Okay, so he's transcendent. But at the same time, and this is what rocks the world of other major religions in this world, you're saying the transcendent God, the creator of the universe, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, is near? That's what we believe as Christians. That we can, he's not only near, we have a relationship with him. His imminence, he is near us, right? And let's turn to Psalm 23, 4. Let's just start there. And we'll look at some of these verses that really remind us, kind of familiar verses, of His imminence. His imminence. His nearness. Psalm 23. Very, very familiar, right? And let's just look at verse 4. Right? Verse 4. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are what? With me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Last week I showed you a little slide up here, you know that footprints poem, right? Walking, and, and whenever there were things happening in my life, God in that poem says, I carried you. And many of us resonate with God being with us through thick and thin, right? Susan, I looked up your, your verse that you love. Turn to Isaiah 41. Right? Isaiah 41. A couple books. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Just keep going to your right. Isaiah 41. 13. Isaiah 41, 13. Yes. For I am the Lord your God, 
who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Right? Powerful, wonderful, right? The imagery, the, the biblical truth of God's imminence, His presence with us, right? Psalm 23, right? You are with me, your rod and your staff. It's Isaiah 41, 13. I will hold your right hand, right? Absolutely biblical truth. Speaks to God's imminence. We're never alone. I will never leave you nor forsake you, right? But as I was thinking about God's imminence, it became absolutely clear that, that biblically, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with with. And, and the title of the message, you know, Bill, this is, this is for you. Bill loves sermon titles. And, amen. There's the other amen. It's called Preposition Power. Preposition power. So, for all you English majors, okay, for all you non-English majors, okay, it's like, who? <laughs> who would major in that, right? No offense. Marvin, I heard you're an English guy, right? What is a preposition? Everyone's a heart's all beating right now. I hope he doesn't call on me. I hope he doesn't. What is a preposition? Anyone? Susan, what is a preposition? Okay, it has to do with position or location. Anyone else? Right? What's a noun, person, place, or thing? Right? Verb, action, word. What's a preposition? Very, very, very. You're right, but anyone want to add? What is a preposition? What does it do in a sentence? Everyone's like, I knew I should have listened to that guy. I'm like, right? Okay, uh, full disclosure, I had to Google it. I had no idea what a preposition, right? Preposition, okay, it usually appears, usually appears before a noun or a pronoun, and it speaks to relationship of that noun or pronoun with another word in the sentence, okay? So it's, it has to do with relationship, and it could be location. One of the relationships is location, okay? Why is that important? Because... Uh, for is a preposition, and in is a preposition. So many of you grew up, and you're very familiar giving thanks for things using that preposition. The last two weeks have rocked your world because you've now been living by another preposition. You've been giving thanks in, right? Instead of when trying circumstances have happened, and you're like grumbling and complaining, right? Right? Tony, we talked about the list of dwarves. You and your friends, you went down that list and said, I'm grumble, I'm complain, you know. Instead of doing that, you've, you've been implementing God's biblical truth that we can give thanks in a different preposition, right? So for and in, not exclusive, but mutual, right? We give thanks for all things and we give thanks in all things. Imminence. Many of us resonate and familiar with God with. That's a preposition. What about God in? In? I thought he was there with his rod and staff. He is. I thought he was there holding my right hand. He is. He's with. That's a preposition. But it doesn't end there. There's another preposition. In. In, in, in. In. And I believe that for many of us 
who have even been in church for decades, we've never, never, never taken the time to ponder this biblical truth. Because he, and, and take this the right way because I'm guilty of it too. I like God with me. That's comforting. That's security. But I still get to be the boss. Because God just comes with me. Come on, God. Where are we going? I'll let you know. Come on, God. Come with me. Come with me, God. What do you want me to do? If I need you, I'll let you know. Come on, God. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. Huh? Amen? Come with me. Right? And so we kind of like God with us. It's comforting. Okay, I'm not saying it's not comforting, but it kind of gives us a little bit of play or a lot of play to be self-reliant, to be self-dependent, to be sitting on the throne. But God's with me. In fact, He's right here holding my right hand. And I'm going to squeeze it if I need him. But that's, that's not the only preposition that speaks to relationship. And that's not the only preposition that speaks to his location. His location. Okay? Now, we're used to, in Christendom, sort of objectifying truth. And almost externalizing. See, God with us is an external truth. And we can resonate with that because we're humans, right? And you're with people, right? But in Christendom, what has happened is that in our desire to be so biblically accurate, we've sort of swayed sometimes too far and become very objective and very external oriented. So what we start to do is we base our Christianity on believing all the right stuff being very orthodox, being very accurate biblically. So what we do is we tend to say, how many of you would agree God, God loves me? You agree with that. Jesus died for me. Right? Jesus rose from the dead. Right? Jesus will return. Right? So what we do, what we, what we, what we have sort of slid into even in the church, is our Christianity revolves around believing all the right stuff. Period. God is with me. That's, that's another truth, right? Nothing, this is not ac- inaccurate. It's not wrong to do this. Unless you neglect the other preposition. Because the other preposition in takes all the objective truth we affirm, takes all of the truth of God's presence with us, and all of a sudden it becomes what? Personal. Christianity explodes. It literally explodes. Or at least it should. See, we are claiming, if you're a believer in Jesus as you sit here, you're telling the world, the transcendent God is with me. And the transcendent God is in me. What? You would get that in, 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 in cultures around this world. You're going to go, what? You're kidding me, man. Come on. Ernie, the transcendent God, creator of the universe, all-powerful, he's in you? What? <laughs> 
It gets personal really quick. It gets personal really quick. And suddenly, you know, I, I'm going to use your word, and I should ask permission, but, but Bill told me over the last two weeks, as God has been working on him through biblical truth, he said, Richie, you ruined my life. I'm like, I'm just the messenger, bro. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. But I'll receive that in a very powerful, supernatural way for a man that loves God and teaches us on Wednesday night. His life has been ruined. Ruined. Because God's Word is living and active and pierced his heart. And he said, i got to give thanks in everything. And it's changing Brother Bill. And he says, you ruined my life. Well, if we understand God living in us, I'm going to apologize on the front end. Your life is ruined. Think about that. God in us. Not just with us. We like Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Where are we singing? He's with us. That's true. You know? God in us power of that preposition, right? The power of that preposition. Now, where, where do we get this, okay? We're going to spend a, as much time as we can, and we're going to c- flow into next Sunday, because it's absolutely vital, guys. Turn to John 14. John 14. John 14, let's start in verse 15. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says this, If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be what? In you. There's two words. If you're comfortable circling or writing in your Bibles, circle the word another and in. When Jesus says, right, in verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor with you forever. There's two words in the Greek for the word another. Heteros, means another, but of a different kind. So, you know, if, I, if we're going to be in the fellowship hall in a few minutes eating donuts, right? And, and let's say I, I'm talking with Wes, and we're talking, and he's right by the donut table, and, and I, I finish my first donut. And I say, hey, Wes, can you have me another donut? Heteros means he can go over there and he can grab anyone he wants. It can be different. It's just another, generally the same, but it doesn't have to be the exact same one. Right. If I say, Wes, hand me another, but I use the word alos, it means, Wes, I want the exact same donut in essence and in everything. I already ate it, right? It's gone, right? So on the human level, it's hard for us to understand, but, but heteros means another, but of a different kind. General, same category of thing, but it could be a different kind. Alos, which Jesus is using here, is saying, I'm going to send you another counselor, but this person coming is exactly like me. In essence, in being, in nature. It's exactly like 
me. That's why he says, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. He's saying, I'm coming to you. It's going to be the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is exactly like me. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's very important. And then he says he's going to be with you. And he's going to be where? In. In. So Jesus tells his disciples, hey, I'm sending somebody to you that is exactly me, like me in nature. And they're going to be in you. In you. This is Jesus' promise, right? And, you know, Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, right? And we've learned in, in, in the church that we're, we're going to look at a ton of verses this morning that speak to this inness. And you're like, well, why are we going to look at so many verses? Because it, here's the thing. We're going to look at a lot of verses. Because the truth of God being in you is so radical, so supernatural, so overwhelming that the only thing I, I was like, Lord, what are we going to do? He says, just read my word today and let Scripture speak for itself. So this is one of those messages, guys. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture and it's going to get very repetitive because when you leave here and God begins to speak to your heart about Him being in you, you have to only base it on the Word of God. Not because Pastor Richie was really cute and creative and really honed in on preposition power. Because this is the core of who we are. This is the core. I, I, I was talking with, with Scott and, and some of the guys before we, when we prayed before we came in here. And you know Scott's a very talented guitar player. And hang with me here. I'm not going to get all crazy, but just understand the illustration. I said, Scott, what if somehow the spirit of Carlos Santana... Could, could indwell you. Carlos Santana indwells him. How many of us would expect, as God allowed that spirit of Carlos Santana to, to manifest itself in his life, how many of us would expect Scott's playing ability to go up? Nothing wrong with it now, buddy. But um, how many of us would expect a qualitative change if that was true? If that was true. Right? Many of you know Jamal. Paul Jamal loves basketball, right? If Jamal said, hey, last night, the spirit of Kobe Bryant. Okay, maybe not Kobe this year. The spirit of old Kobe indwells me. Came in and said, hey, if you'll just learn to release and trust and let me live through you, Jamal, watch out. How many of us would expect a qualitative difference in Jamal's basketball playing? Right? The transcendent God who made the universe comes into our life and indwells us. Should there be a qualitative difference? If we let it. Little thing called sanctification. You see? Absolutely ruining our lives for Jesus. Right? It, it, it's such a powerful truth that we're just going to we're going to do a quick biblical survey here guys and we're going to go this way in the Bible. I, I kind of put them in order so we can go fast. I just got to let the Bible speak. I well, I don't know. I'm going to get out of the way. So it turned to we'll start in John 6. We're just going to read. Okay? We're just going to read and you can take them home and you can 
you can meditate on them and, and review them, study them. We're going to pick up next week and, and get a little more in depth, but we have to start this broad, okay? So we're going to go right through the New Testament. John 6, 54. Jesus is talking. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in him, and I, where? In him. Right? John 15. Let's go right. John 15.4. Again, Jesus talking. Remain in me, and I will remain where? In you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Go to Romans 8. Romans 8, starting in verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. In these verses, just, just a little aside note as we, before we move on, you'll see where he uses the Spirit, Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, Christ in you. What they're saying there is, it's, remember back to John when Jesus says, same in essence, they're all interchangeable. When he says Spirit of God, Christ in you, Spirit of Christ, it's basically God in us, the Trinity. He's speaking of the Trinity. Okay, So those, you know, when I was studying it, I was like, what does that mean? Why are they all different? And it's, in essence, it went back to Alos. They're all the same in essence. It's God in us, okay? It's, it's God in us. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians 3. First Corinthians 3, 16. Don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives where? In you. Right? Okay, let's go over to Galatians. Galatians 2. Galatians 2.20. 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives where? In me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. Okay? Now, it's important. The word in is not just location, but there's a secondary meaning to in, which is very powerful. It means by means of. Which means this. Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, isn't just a passive Marker, and nothing happening. What does Galatians 2.20 says? Christ lives. It's an active presence. It's an active presence. Okay? So there's two meanings of in. Location and activity. Okay? Dynamic activity. Right? 
Let's go ahead and go to 1 John. Or actually, yeah, let's go to 1 John. 1 John, starting 3. 1 John 3. While you're turning there, I'll read Colossians 1.27. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so that's Colossians 1.27. But let's look at some 1 John verses. 1 John 3.24. Those who obey His commands live in Him, and He, what? In them. And this is how we know that He lives where? In us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. Right? Let's go to chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is what? In you is greater than the one who is in the world. Right? First, look at verse 12. 1 John 4.12 No one has ever seen God but if we love one another, God lives where? In us. And His love is made complete in us. And finally, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 13.5. Go back a little bit. 2 Corinthians 13.5. And this brings us kind of back in a big circle to where we need to just stop. And I love this verse. 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Now, many of us, right? Look at, look at it again. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. So many of us go right away, okay, do I believe all the right stuff? Am I a Christian? Okay, do I believe Jesus died for me? Do I believe... Yeah. When, we, when he says examine yourselves... We go right into all believing. What do we believe about God? We go to doctrine. And it's very important, but we stop there. And I love because Paul doesn't stop there, does he? Look what he says. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Do you? No, really, I'm asking the question. Do you? <laughs> See, he says, examine yourselves. Test yourselves. Okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down the list. What do I believe about Jesus? The essentials of the faith. Check. But you don't stop there. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Don't stop. Don't stop at the doctrine. Doctrine is important, but don't stop there. Don't keep it objective and external. The Apostle Paul says, don't you realize that Christ Jesus is in you? <laughs> right, I'm like, right. I kind of should. Uh, Shiloh, slide these dimmers down. We're gonna look at this more next week, but we're gonna, we're gonna see these dimmers right here. Go ahead and click them off. See these dimmers? Turn off all the lights real fast. Let me explain something. Okay, it's off, right? See the center line? They're off. The Bible says at one point we were in darkness. We walked in darkness. We were dead. We were, t- we were just in darkness. We were alienated from God, right? But by faith in Christ alone. We're spiritually alive, right? We become, we walk in the light. So they come on, just a little bit. Slide them off, right there. Holy Spirit is in you, in you, 
right? It's indwelling you. You're now light. You're not a darkness anymore, right? At this very moment, all the electricity needed for those bulbs are there. They're just on a, the lowest setting. Let's call that the unsaved setting. And this process of sanctification, of realizing Christ is in me, of realizing I have all the riches and the resources of God, is in walking in the Spirit and surrendered. What happens as more and more of the electricity is allowed to flow into those lights? They get brighter. And it's not the bulb going, I gotta be more bright, I gotta be more bright, I got If the bulb could talk, he'd say, I'm just letting the electricity flow. See a lot of us we, 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 we even externalize our sanctification and we work really hard to be like Jesus. And Jesus is like, I'm in you, just let me out. Just let it release the beast. <laughs> you know what I mean? What would happen? I really want to put my hands up in worship. Release the beast. Just let it go. Let it rip. Let the Holy Spirit out. See, we get so controlling and we try to be so in order and we try to believe all the right stuff and Christ is saying, let me out. Will you just let me out? You ever have a, 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 like, it's kind of like, take it the right way, not disrespect. You ever have a dog that just needs to go? Just needs to run? Because that's how, you just need, let me out. And you, and you open the door, and they're happy as can be. Because they're made to do that. Do you not realize Christ is in you? Let him out. What does that look like? I have no clue. Is he going to ruin my life? Probably. Are people going to think I'm crazy? Definitely. Do you not realize Christ is in you? Christ is in you. And next week we're going to look in some very powerful verses what it means that we have His power, dunamis, dynamite. We have His energy. We have His energy. But it starts with sacredness. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? He's with you. Amen to that. But there's another preposition. He's in you. He's in you. And he just wants that switch to go wing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you. It's like being on a roller coaster, kind of. Where are we going, Lord? Ah, just hold on. Just hold on. Ah, ah, ah. Who wants that kind of life? Me. No. We must sit quietly and affirm the truth that Christ is in us. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for your word. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Oh, not only that, that we would have this absolutely supernatural life on this planet, but you are our hope. We know that Christ in us, oh man, what security for eternity. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so as we meditate on these verses, as we reflect on the power of that preposition, 
in. We thank You that You are with us. But, oh Lord, make the reality of You being in us just ring from our hearts. And then, then, Lord, give us that courage. The courage to release You. The courage to let You be God. The courage to let You do immeasurably more than even we can think or imagine. And it all be... It's all founded on just trusting You. Trusting You. You love us. You care for us. And as we prepare for communion, we are so thankful. So thankful, Jesus, for You. So thankful for what You did for us on the cross. So thankful for Your promise that You weren't going to leave us orphans. And so we... uh, We prepare for communion now. Remembering what You did for us, Jesus, but also realizing You are in us. Christ Jesus in us. The hope of glory. Amen.